people do when they're naming is they choose a name based on what they like. And that is not the part of the brain that makes the decision. And they choose a name that fits whatever criteria they have, but it's not necessarily the name that would bravely capture somebody's attention. It doesn't pull focus. Hello, and welcome to Marketing to Mums, the podcast, the show which helps marketers, business leaders, and entrepreneurs sell more effectively to the world's most powerful consumer, mums. Each fortnight, we bring you a deep diving interview with a marketing specialist from around the globe who can help you gain insights about this influential consumer. Let's hear from our host, Katrina McCarter. What's in a name? Well, that is exactly what we are talking about in today's episode. I'm catching up with Louise Karsh, the global name whisperer and author of the award-winning book, Word Glue, Find Your Million Dollar Brand Name. Now, Louise has been naming breakout brands for the past decade. And in today's episode, we delve into just how important naming your brand is in your success. Louise is actually going to share with us some of the key criteria that she looks for when naming a brand and some of the common mistakes that we might need to avoid. Louise is going to take us through the process that she uses when she's naming a brand and highlights some of the considerations that might signal that it's time to rename your brand. This is a great episode which shines a light on the importance of crafting the perfect brand name. Louise, I'd love to welcome you to the show. It's fantastic to have you here. Thank you, Katrina. And hello, everyone listening. Now, I want to ask you, why is it so important in selecting your brand name if you want to appeal to mothers? It's vital that in the attention economy, where you're competing with Coca-Cola's $2 billion marketing budget and every other brand screaming for attention, that you be careful about the name you choose because it is a strategic multi-million dollar issue. Wow, that's that that's really putting it out there. So you're really saying this is this is it's make or break. It is make or break. I was talking to a mom just down the street from me, um, Liliana, and she was saying about car seats, for example. There's one car seat brand called Mother's Choice, which is not a good name for a brand, which I'm happy to unpack. And then she chose, um, and you'll know this, Britex, the car seat. Now, Britex is a little more expensive. It uses the letter B, so we associate that B sound with trust. That's a whole nother weird, crazy, cool thing. Um, But Mother's Choice is, is almost pandering to moms, like saying, here, pick this. And you don't want a brand that begins with resentment. Like, don't tell me what to do. Show me that you're a great brand that cares about me and my family and make a product that's that's truly safe, truly supportive, truly nurturing um, for a mom and those she cares so much about. Oh, that was a great example. So, Louise, can I ask you, are there, are there key criteria in a good brand name? Are there things that you're always looking for? I am always looking for the difference between a memorable name Versus an unforgettable name. 
And, and what would be an example of that? An unforgettable name. And I'm hoping that some of your ladies get a chance to lunch those, you know, your, the brands that serve moms. I hope those moms get a chance to have a break sometimes. And so there's an expression called ladies who lunch. Well, there's a gorgeous Australian wine called ladies who shoot their lunch. Now, that's a wine that was originally catered to go with game meat. This is where the vegans can, you know, just tune out for a second. But that is such an unexpected name that it's unforgettable. Once you hear ladies who shoot their lunch or the probiotic drink that I named recently, which is called Belly Up because it boosts your gut health, you're not going to forget Belly Up. You're not going to forget ladies who shoot their lunch. Wow. So can I ask, what is it that you traditionally see that business owners and brands are getting wrong when they select their brand name? I guess what I'm keen to unpack is what are the big mistakes that are being made that are costing brands money? Deciding whether you like or dislike a brand name will kill the bravest ideas that your name storming team will come up with. When we use the like, don't like part of the brain, that's the front of the brain. That's the newer brain. That's probably the neocortex, but that's not the part of the brain that will encounter a brand's name for the first time. That's a different part of the brain that's largely unconscious. It fires what's called an attentional cue. So we'll see something like Celebrations, which is um, for those international listeners, it's an Australian liquor store. That'll capture our attention. We won't even notice that it captures our attention. Then that unconscious cue will fire a feeling, and then we'll start to figure out why we felt that. But when we decide whether we like or dislike a brand name, well, that's the wrong part of the brain. So you want to know, does the name that you're choosing pull focus, then it does it create a feeling, and then is it worth figuring out why all those brain neurons fired? Are there other things that, that people need to be aware of when they're selecting their brand name? Yes. So they want a name that's going to get noticed by the people that they're trying to serve. So once they come up with a short list of names, and sometimes I'll generate up to 2,000 names to find something that's trademarkable in a number of countries. So once you've got a short list of names that are available in the nations where you operate, then you want to test what people associate with those names, not whether they like them or not, what, what they associate it with it. So the mistake that people make is they think that they're choosing the brand for themselves. They're not. You actually want your market segment to encounter the names you're thinking of and to see what they feel when they see your name. And then that's going to give you a clue of which direction you should go. It's fantastic. And I think I've, I've heard you um, in a previous discussion talk about it so important in how you ask people to give feedback about a brand name. Can you take us through that a little bit? Yeah. So if you have a short list and, you know, if you're a big company, you've got an ad agency that you're working with. You might have a name whisperer like me. I'm, I'm more than happy to be your name whisperer if you're not familiar with folks who are trained in the, the art and science of words and word sounds. Um, but you might have a market research firm that you use to test your name. And so when they're presenting your name, you don't want to ask them whether they like it or not. You want to ask them if it captures their attention. So you'll have a list of names and you'll, and you'll, you'll play with the order of those names. So you're not getting what's called a recency or, or a primacy effect. So they won't like the first name or the last name more just because of the order. So you'll have, show them in different orders the names. You'll see which one consistently grabs their attention. 
you're going to see which one creates the feeling and the association that you want. And then you know you've got something worth taking to market. I mean, sometimes you just know. Like I knew that belly up would work because I generated hundreds of names. And when I came up with that name and I looked at the other names in the category, I knew it was the bravest, boldest, most upbeat, joyful name in the category. And I was like, we got it. We got it. That's so fantastic when when you nail something like that. I, I wanted to get your opinion on a um, milk brand, actually. A2, is that a good name or, or not? It's a fantastic name. So A2 now has, uh, over 2020, increased their cash reserves by 83%, which equals $854 million. Now, they're able to do that because a whole bunch of reasons. One is... And Al Rice and Jack Trote, who wrote the book Positioning the Battle for Your Mind, said that your name is the most important decision you make to guarantee your long-term success. So your name is strategic. A2 is a strategic name. When you think of the milk category, it's very hard to think of milk company names. But A2, because it's like K2 the mountain, U2 the music band, um, there's just something about the sound of A2. It's the shape that the mouth makes, and there is a sound hierarchy, so it makes the right shape. It stands out on the shelf, and it tells a story in a second. So A2 removes the beta casein protein from the milk, so it's easier to digest. So for moms who met themselves have trouble digesting milk, or they want to make sure that their kids aren't going to have problems with milk, they know when they choose A2, they're choosing a milk that's had a casein, the beta casein removed, so it's easier to digest. So it's brilliant. It's an absolutely brilliant name, brilliant story, brilliant strategy. Marketing to Mums, the podcast is proudly brought to you by the Marketing to Mums Assessment. This personalized diagnostic report will help you understand how your brand is currently performing in your Marketing to Mums activities. The Marketing to Mums assessment will clearly identify your gaps and opportunities and provide you with a series of recommendations to attract, engage, and convert more mothers and their families to your business. You can find out more about Marketing to Mums assessment on the website at www.marketingtomums.com.au forward slash assessment. about Louise I found the most awesome name for my brand I can't get the .com but I can get .co should I be looking for another name or am I okay to go ahead without the .com I'd love to hear your views on that well I've got a company right now and I've named some tech companies globally uh, and because they want to have a certain status, they want the .com. So they've held $10,000 plus in their budget to buy the .com from whatever person is squatting on that, if it's a squatter, and by that I mean a profiteer. Um, so there might be a time where you want the .com. I, get, I completely get it. Just have money ready to pay for it. What you can do in the interim, though, is you can use another domain extension. And if you look online and search new domain extensions, you might find something that's absolutely perfect for you. Let's say you've got a company called Brand and you see a .com called .ing. Well, then you might have a site called Branding, brand.ing. 
So it's important, but I don't want any startup to stop because they can't get the .com. If you can get the trademark and the countries that you want to serve in, grab it and just know that as you grow, you can you can buy the .com later if you want, or you can use a different extension for all of your life. Oh, that's really interesting. I thought you were going to advise against it. So I, I find I found that really fascinating. Well, no, it depends. So for some companies, the dot-com is the right strategy. And if they've got the money and they need it because they're in a certain sector that needs it, go for it. But, but if you're like By The Way Bakery, which is a fabulous bakery in New York, well, their website name is not bythewaybakery.com. It's bytwbakery.com. So you can play with your name too. Mm, okay, lots of th- food for thought there. Now, how do you actually go about choosing the best name for your audience? Are there particular considerations? I know that I've been reading your book, Word Glue, and you talk about 12 critical questions. Can you take us through that? Is that the process you'd recommend? Well, that's the process I recommend to generate words and phrases and ideas so that you can do your name storming. So the Q12 is a process that I've developed that looks at strategy, story, sentiment, the sector you serve, the style that you want to convey, all those sort of things. But how you choose your brand name. Uh, If I think about the tech company that I worked with earlier this year, Rebecca uh, Kirsten, they were going to call themselves Becumble. It was an app for young people figuring out their careers, and they wanted a .com because they're in the tech space. Well, Becumble, what, what do you feel when you say the word Becumble? So it was a name that didn't have the right feel for them, and so they came up with the name. Together, we came up with a name. They used the Q12 process, and I often, with startups, I'll coach them as opposed to with establishing business, they'll hire me you know, to do the naming process for them all in. So we came up with Inkly, I-N-Q-L-I. It was available as a .com for like 15 bucks, yay! And when they tested it, so this is what's really important. They tested it with their young people. They had an existing audience of 250 people. They didn't tell them what it was. They just showed them the name. They didn't ask, do you like it? Because that's the wrong question. That's a judging part of the brain. They asked, when you see this word, what comes to mind? What do you think of? And these young people between 18 and uh, mid-20s were like, it reminds me of um, you into me from Finding Nemo. And they got all these different associations. And when they saw the associations, they're all positive, nothing negative. They could use that concept of ink drawings to help tell their stories on their on their website. And Inkly is it's got the right mouthfeel. So there's lots of research on sound hierarchy, why some sounds make us associate certain qualities and characteristics with a brand. So you also want to make sure you've got the right mouthfeel. Wow. How do you do that? Well, so the research that was done by um, Geta Menon and Eric Yorkston, um, if you, oh God, I think their research paper is something like the phonetic associations of brands, but there's a, there's a global list of sound hierarchy so Google, when you say Google, it opens her up your mouth big. If you say um, la, la is at the front of the mouth, but goo is at the back of the mouth, right? It just puts your tongue and your jaw in a different position. So you want to sound big, you call yourself Google, you want, or you call yourself boom room. If you want to sound small, you call yourself la room because it's like it's just more intimate. 
So the mouthfeel, you don't have to be a scientist to know that Rolex, because of the Lex, we associate that probably ancient from an ancient perspective, the Latin, you know, um, Rex, King, but Lux, Luxury, um, Row, Royal. So we've got some audiophones or some sounds that we already associate with meaning without sometimes even realizing it. Wow. Okay. So we've kind of established, Louise, that choosing your brand name is in, is incredibly important and is, you know, likely to be a million dollar question for us is, is really naming our brand. Does that extend to naming a book or a podcast or an online training program or even a tagline? Well, let's separate tagline because that's a separate entity and that's what's called a distinct brand asset. I mean, your name is a distinct brand asset too, but your tagline is an additional strategic asset. When you're naming a book, so you've written a whole bunch of books. What did you learn from writing your books in terms of naming them? Well, it was an interesting process. One of them, I just wanted to explain exactly what it was. And the other one, I went for something a little bit more that aroused curiosity. And which one has sold better? The one that was really literal. And so what did you learn? Well, this is a question that I have for you is, do you tell it how it is? Well, but the book space is different than a brand space. So you're, are you talking about Marketing to Moms, that book? Yes. Yeah. yeah. So that's exactly what it was. That is what's called a declare strategy. So Airbnb uses that same method for naming its brand. It says what it is. So it's a valid and powerful strategy. So great. People get what it is right away. Swiffer, that brand name, right? What is that? Well, we don't know what it means right away, but it sounds something like that's fast and something like sweeping. And it just there's something about it that just makes it feel like there's movement to it. So, you know, you'll use different strategies. Like a book like Nudge is a beautiful descriptor for a book. A book like Start With Why or um, Alice Walker's like, The Color Purple books are equally important in terms of naming. So what Tim Ferriss would do is he would test different titles to see which had the most click through. So if you're writing a book and you want to see what resonates, that's one way of doing it. But any name I suggest, just like the folks at Inkly did, when I suggested, test it, test it, always test the names that you come up with your audience to see what has resonance because it's really hard for you you're the picture that's in the frame. It's hard for you to see it. You're the wine. You know, somebody else needs to name it, put the label on it sometimes. So it's, it's hard for us when we're doing, when, when, we, when we are bringing our brand or our book or a podcast to life to know what's going to resonate. Just like Ken Segal. Yeah. Well, like when Ken Segal named the iMac, Steve Jobs didn't like it right away. So sometimes we need a little time and a little help. Your podcast host, Katrina McCarter, has launched her second book. Called The Mother of All Opportunities, this book has been written for board directors, C-suite, senior marketers, and business owners to shine a light on the enormous opportunities for growth which exist in the mum market. Katrina demonstrates why now is the right time to rethink your relationship with the world's most powerful consumer, mums. Fast track your brand and build a competitive advantage by gaining critical research-based insights into this massive and underserved market. If you live in Australia, you can get your copy from www.marketingtomums.com.au forward slash book. If you live overseas, you can get your copy from Amazon.
about renaming? So if I know that you've been naming and renaming brands now for over over a decade, could you take us through an example of a brand that you've renamed and what kind of impact it's had on the business? I've done it a number of times and I always come back to them a year later and ask what the financial difference was. And so I've con- continually doubled their income, if not more. Now, I, I, I want so much to tell you about a new Australian company, and I can't tell you their name yet, but it's Michael Ellis and Tina Ellis, and they're the folks who uh, developed Man Rags, which was a subscription sock company, and they did a little turn to gathering up the used socks and then gathering um, clothes from like Salvos and Winnie's and H&M and they are now recycling textiles and I've just led them through a process where we've renamed their brand. It's a fantastic name and I can't tell you. So I can't tell you that story until October the 14th because that's when the launch is. But um, they've come up with a fantastic name and uh, I'm honored to. Like, I get... I get so excited when I work with companies who are doing meaningful work and I can help them get a name that's equally amazing as the work that they're doing. So I can't tell you that one, but I can tell you an American one. Um, and this is Dr. Christopher Mackey. He was formerly with Princeton, a brilliant educator. His company creates educational software that's on every TV station in the world, including used by NASA and outer space. They also look at online learning. And he's saving um, online learning and higher education around the world right now. Well, their name was 5D learning, which doesn't really, gosh, that's a lot of work. Like what is 5D learning? Like your, your head gets tired just thinking of that name. Now, it turns out that what they do is they make organizations and higher learning is a very institutional, hierarchical, ancient, right? We've had colleges, universities since what, the 1200s? This is an old institution that's slow to change, but all of a sudden they have to be agile and they need to be resilient and they need to be performant in this changing educational world. So we came up with a word, agilience. Now, agilience is not in the dictionary, but it feels like it should be in the dictionary. It feels like it should be something that we need. And now he's got a new name. He's got a new story. And I can't tell you what company he's just signed on, but it's one of the biggest software companies in the world. And um, he's partnering with some amazing organizations globally. And this is the problem with being a namer is like some things I can't tell you until it's all released and all the things are signed and all the rest of it. But it, I just love giving people, again, who are doing work that matters, the attention that they deserve. Because when you get the right name, you get a story you can tell, and that makes selling easier. Mm, absolutely. And I'm very familiar with the man rag story. So I will make sure that we put a link in our show notes. Uh, so listeners, you can actually click through and see what the new name is. Yeah. And it's going to be a great one. You're going to love it. Oh, fantastic. So it seems to me that uh, investing in naming your business is basically pays for itself. If you're dub- oh, yeah. doubling the income 12 months later, uh, it seems a very or more. worthy worthy. <laughs> the investment. I want to now turn to renaming a brand. When do you know that you need to rename your brand? Are there certain signals that alert you to the fact that you need to consider this? Dr. Nicole Lee told me that her brand name felt like an ill-fitting dress. Oh, wow. She founded an organization called Lee Gen, and they have spoken 
to every state. They've spoken to healthcare educators. They've spoken to corporates. She travels internationally. So she's a wellness expert that also focuses on drug and alcohol abuse, management, recovery, safety, because if you've got truck drivers who are using, that's a safety issue. So how do you keep keep workplaces safe? Well, Lee Jen wasn't helping them tell their story. When she was in the boardroom and we were doing her name storming, she kept taking her hands and making a circular shape. And I said, you know, it's just like you're talking 360 degrees. She goes, yeah, like I work with clients 360 degrees in the cycle of change. And she, and she goes, yeah, but we're also, and I'm, I'm collapsing the story. I mean, it took a day to get to this. You know, we're also the only practitioners that are blending the cutting edge research and practical experience from the warehouse to the boardroom to parliament. So we came up with 360 Edge. Now that name wouldn't work in a whole bunch of sectors, but in the alcohol and drug recovery and protection area, it's the perfect name. Their new name doubled her income and her staff within a year. Wow, that's incredible, Louise. So do we wait until we feel like we're wearing an ill-fitting dress or are there other are there some other signals? Is it low sales or what else should we be looking for? Well, usually the owner knows. So your accountant might be like, you've got a great product. I can't, like, why aren't you getting the attention you deserve? I mean, I remember I'm a former figure skater and I had a foot injury. I went to see this beautiful man who is now Dr. Colin Dombrowski. He was doing a PhD at the time on lower leg extremity issues. And he, his market share was being stolen by franchises with way, way less experience, training, education, passion. <laughs> you know, He was the one who was reading all the journal articles. He knew what was going on. And when he got his new name, which we created, this was this is one of my first clients, and that's what this is one that made me realize, okay, naming is a thing; it's a superpower. He did. I did the groundwork. I did the research with the doctors. So I tried to find out what mattered about his brand and him, and created a mind map. Um, we had a we had a party where I, we brought in his friends and clients, and we saw all the different names and words and that mattered about him and his brand. And we came up with Soul Science, S O L E Science. Well, he increased his revenue by one hundred thirty percent in eighteen months, and that's because he had a better name and a better story. So a name is it really is a profoundly strategic decision that either makes your life harder or easier. Your name does the work for you day after day after day. It does the heavy lifting. So taking the time to making sure that you've picked the one that's right, it is worth every second of time and dollar you spend on it. I can't stress that enough. Well, I think that you've given us a great insight uh, into naming a brand or a book or a podcast. Louise, if people wanted to learn more about you or get their hands on your award-winning book, Word Glue, what's the best way for them to do so? Word Glue is at wordglue.co, wordglue.co. You can pop me a note there. I'm on LinkedIn and you can reach me there at Louise Karsh, K-A-R-C-H, like the month of March, but with a K. If you're popping me a note on LinkedIn, say, hey, I heard you on the podcast. Otherwise, like I don't say yes to everybody because I actually enjoy the relationships I, I build. And I'm, I'm not one of those people who wants 10,000 followers just to have them. I actually care about the people in my circle. 
Fantastic. And we will also put those links in the show notes. So if you're wanting the easy uh, way to do that, you can just head over to the show notes. Louise, I'd love to thank you for the work that you're actually doing in educating brands and business owners about the importance of naming. And I really appreciate you being part of Marketing to Mums, the podcast. Well, to all the mums and to all the businesses that serve them, thank you for your work. It matters. Thank you. Louise has shared some great insights with us, which really highlight the importance of naming or perhaps renaming your brand. I hope you found this episode valuable. As always, I welcome your feedback. You can reach me at katrina at marketingtomums.com.au. Until next time, thanks for listening to Marketing to Mums, the podcast. You've been listening to Marketing to Mums, the podcast, the show which helps you drive sales and profit in your organization by developing a deeper understanding of the world's most powerful consumer, mums. If you have enjoyed this episode, please leave a rating and a review and tell us what your key takeaway was or who your favorite guest was and why. If you would like to get the show notes from today's episode or any of the links mentioned, all you need to do is head to marketingtomums.com.au forward slash podcast. Don't forget to sign up to receive an email to let you know when the next episode is released. Thanks for listening.